Hey everybody, Tyler here. Uh, we have a great episode for you this week. I know it's been a while. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure that you go and read the show notes. We write a bit about where we've been, what's happening in the world, uh, and some stuff that you can take a look at to help out. Uh, all right, here we go. This podcast is Eccentric, a show all about egg, with Tyler and Lauren. This week, we talk about omelet souffle, and buckle up, yolks. We're getting sciency. Why does my egg smell so bad? Hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hello. Uh, wow, it's been a while. Yeah. I hope everyone's doing well, staying safe. Yep. We uh, we've been just hanging in there. I guess we yeah. we've been we've been you know same locked old, down old. with everybody. Um, not with everybody. No. Separately, obviously, that's the the whole point, but. Mm. But we've been making some egg stuff, reading yep. about some egg stuff. So I wanted to get making it, a lot of eggs. Get it on the podcast. Um, I guess this week let's start with the recipe that I have. Yeah. Um, because it kind of sort of what's the word for that dovetails uh, into what I think your topic is today. Well, a I think bit. my topic would have been more relevant to the episode that we did the hard boiled egg. Oh, okay. Um, but. You know, they don't have to go together. No, no, no. It okay. all goes together in one big shell anyway. <laughs> it's all about egg here. I see what you did there. So. Um, well, I wanted to talk about, uh, there was this video that we watched a while ago now. I feel like this video came out like last year sometime. Um, but it's from Bon Appetit. And who has a great YouTube channel. If you're not watching Bon Appetit's YouTube videos, you really should be. Mm, They're wonderful. Absolutely. A lot of if, good egg content. If, like us, you have been wanting to watch something that is like simultaneously exciting and interesting and really chill, Bon Appetit is is very, very good for that. It is. And it's like know it's just generally positive like they're they're all positive people and they're making delicious food and it's great it's so good um but there's a video on there where carla lolly music uh whose cookbook is out now and yeah she just won a james beard award forgotten what the cookbook is called and i feel very oh it's it's something like easy recipes for every chef or something like that i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna google it while i'm talking to see if i can remember um uh anyway so yeah, so Carla did a video where she made a souffle omelet, or an omelet souffle, I guess is the mm-hmm. technical term, um, and it looked amazing. I got a little obsessed with it, and I was like, oh, you have to make this. I really want to try this. It looks so good. Uh, I found the, the cookbook title. It is Where Cooking Begins, colon, Uncomplicated Recipes to Make You a Great Cook. There we go. Very, very cool. Um, so Carla made a, an omelet souffle, uh, and the recipe is, is, I mean, honestly, the, the whole video is amazing and I'm going to post a link to it in the description. Mm-hmm. Um, but the recipe was completely doable. I thought it, everything was very simple. Um, if a little time consuming mm-hmm. for my taste and I, I felt a little conflicted about it. Cause I was like, Carla, this looks great. Me on a phone call with Carla. <laughs> right, right. Clearly um, we know these I, people in real life. <laughs> I, I was saying to myself this looks and sounds great and i would like to make this but i don't honestly know if i'm willing to spend this much time making an egg recipe so correct me if i'm wrong but the basic premise of a souffle is that you take the whites of the egg and you separate them from the yolks and you whip a bunch of air 
into the whites so that it holds a really fluffy, bubbly shape and gets very yes. voluminous that's, and, and foamy. That's, that's exactly it. And Carla opens this video with saying the reason that you want to make a, an omelet souffle is it's easier than a souffle and right. simpler than an omelet. Because once you've whipped a bunch of air into the structure of the whites of the egg, it can come out really easily. It can exactly. fall, especially when you add things like heat or other ingredients exactly. or yeah it becomes more complicated so i guess i guess where i'll start is i want to cover the recipe that she does in the video and then i'll go over kind of how i've changed that to make this something that i make every few days yeah um the recipe that she makes starts with three eggs and you separate exactly like you said the yolks and the whites and the video that i'm going to put a link to is amazing at describing here is why you use your hands to separate yep. the yolks from the whites. Which we've talked about. We're a huge proponent of touching the egg. Big fan. Just go ahead and touch the egg. I mean, wash your hands before, before and, and after. after. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, just touch it. Uh, and it feels nice. It does. It does. It does. They're fun to play with. And it, so from there, what you're going to do is you're going to start whipping the egg white. Uh, and you can do that with a fork. You could do that with uh, a whisk. You could do that with something i'll get into later a froth wand um <laughs> which and- we did not buy to make dalgona coffee i just want <laughs> to make that statement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i haven't made dalgona coffee with it yet i have made um coffee soda and mm-hmm. i have made um lattes but that neither of those are related to eggs so uh so you you whip the egg white although i just now realized we mm. can use it to make um raw egg cocktails yeah yeah, that's. I mean, that's exactly what I want to do next. Yeah, so that's great. perfect. Um, you whip the egg white until you get stiff peaks, and the reason that you're looking for a stiff peak, and I guess I can, I should kind of explain what a stiff peak is when we're talking about whipping something. When you whip egg whites, you're gonna see it start to get very foamy, and then if you keep whipping it up to a certain point, it's going to start to get thick, uh, and it becomes kind of like a like a light whipped cream kind of texture. And when I say thick peaks, I mean that you can pick your whisk up out of the bowl and you have a little bit of egg white on it. Mm-hmm. And then you turn the whisk upside down and that it sort of creates a peak of the egg white. Yeah, you know, and that the, peak the bit stays that was up. falling down then is now pointing up. And the stiff peak is just, you want it to droop over just a little bit mm-hmm. and not just too the, much. Just the very like tip of it, like a Dairy Queen ice cream curl. Right, exactly like <laughs> yeah. a Dairy Queen ice cream curl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you do that, and that's building the volume for the souffle. And the reason that this is easier than making a souffle, and one of the reasons that souffles drop, is if you get to stiff peaks, that means that the the structure of the egg white is sort of creating these long strings, basically, that are uh, surrounding air bubbles. Mm-hmm. And if you whip it any further, if you heat it any further, or if you do anything to it too rapidly, those strings break and the air you escapes. You release the air pockets, yeah. So it all sort of flattens back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get to stiff peaks with the egg whites, and then you fold that back into uh, the the beaten yolks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the... the uh, what is that show? Schitt's Creek? Is it Schitt's Creek <laughs> that does the folding joke? Yeah. Um, so Fold in the cheese. What does that mean? What does that mean? Folding what is in. folding? Folding in this case, and again, Carla does an amazing job explaining this, is just uh, uh, 
it's it's stirring basically but you're stirring in such a way that you're not breaking the bubbles right you're not stirring in a circular motion in the middle of the bowl you stir around the outside edge of the bowl and loop your spatula up and over and into the center of the bowl exactly so it, it feels like you're folding like if you would fold all the edges of a sheet in towards the middle exactly yeah or in the video carla says it's like getting into a bubble bath you don't want to be <laughs> yeah. like swirling everything around because you're gonna pop all the bubbles you right. want to sort of slide in like a like a knife yeah you know, slide sort of, under and then yeah. pull it over the top without cutting anything so, with the side of the spatula so once everything's kind of folded together and mixed then you can start heating up your pan uh and this is where Carla and I have the exact same recipe. So either uh, just a thin layer of olive oil is what I use, or she used about a half tablespoon of butter. I prefer butter. Butter, I feel like, is going to get you a really good flavor. Even though we use a fake butter because neither of us eat dairy. And but... that's that's kind of why I go for olive oil is mm -hmm. our fake butter, I feel like, doesn't cook as well depending on what you're making. Yeah, that's fair. I think ours right now, we, we get various um, different fake butters. But I think ours right now is sunflower oil base, and that can yeah. be a little weird. So yeah, so so whichever sort of oil you have, just to make sure that the the pan isn't going to stick, will work. I think olive oil for me sometimes has like a bit of an earthy flavor that mm -hmm. I don't want in certain dishes, and I think that's I think I don't want it in an egg dish. That's unless fair. you're going to eat something that has those flavors additionally, and that's yeah. that's kind of where I'm going with this. So the beauty of making an omelet right is you can put on a whole bunch of different toppings and it'll taste really good the cool thing about making an omelet souffle is that's just more so that's more mm -hmm. accentuated because mm -hmm. it can hold up to more stuff so what you do is once you get your your pan heated you're gonna put it on like medium heat medium high maybe uh and then holding your pan at an angle go ahead and pour in your mixed egg uh, and then make sure to sort of tilt the pan in all directions just to make sure that the egg reaches all the edges and you get a nice sort of circular egg. So you don't want a huge pan. No, 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 no. Spread you, it out you don't, too you don't want like a wok or anything. Yeah. But a, a typical frying pan, a cast, okay. iron, cast iron pans are amazing for this. Well, we'll talk about that actually. Oh, cool. Um, you then just kind of want to leave it alone as it cooks you're going to let it cook for about two minutes. And what's really interesting here is you're basically making an egg pancake at this point. Uh, and you will wait to see, um, you know how when you're making a pancake, you see the bubbles pop? Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing. And that's how you know that the heat's gotten all the way through the, souf the egg souffle uh, to reach the top, right? And you're also going to see, and this is my favorite part personally, some of the edges are going to start to brown up mm -hmm. and they're going to get really crispy. And this is the main difference between an omelet souffle and an omelet omelet, like a French omelet. It's a French omelet. You don't, you don't want any color. It's very sort of one note because you're really piling on the toppings. And right? in a French omelet, you, you sort of want the egg to be not quite runny in the center, but mm -hmm. almost runny. You want it a little undercooked in the center. And that's kind of the same thing here. So once you see the bubbles start to come through and pop and you see sort of the edges get brown, mm -hmm. then depending on how done you want the middle, you might turn up the heat a little bit. 
uh, or at this point start putting in your toppings. Mm -hmm. So like in the video, Carla does cheddar cheese. That's definitely a great option. For us, we don't do dairy. So we can do a fake cheese. You can do a fake cheese. I've put uh, just chopped ham in there before, Mm -hmm. some pre-cooked ham. You could do sausage. Chives. Chives, absolutely. Green onions. Yep. Um, I really, really, really want to make our own pico de gallo salsa. Oh, yeah. Because that would go amazingly on this. Do you know what I love in um, omelets? Mm. Those little tiny salad shrimps. Oh. Yeah, really good. That and some capers and some green onions or chives. Mm -hmm. And see, and in those cases, like a little bit of that earthy flavor wouldn't be too awful, right? Because that would kind of mix in with the the toppings. Mm -hmm. Um, So once you've added your toppings or just decided you're going to eat it as is, let it cook for a little bit longer. Uh, and you'll start to see it kind of rise mm-hmm. and your bottom is going to get really dark, but the middle is going to rise up a little bit. Once you start to see it rise, then you turn off your heat, take it off the, off the hob or whatever. And that's when you start to fold it. And rather than like an omelet where you have to do the, the fancy folds or whatever, mm-hmm. just fold this like a taco. Cause it is going to be so thick. That's all you're going to be able to do. And it looks cool. And it looks really cool. And what you're going to have basically is an egg dish that is roughly the size and not consistency, but definitely, definitely the thickness of a really large like IHOP style pancake folded in on itself. And similar to an omelet, like you said, the middle is going to be a little runny. Um, But this is why I really like this dish. The outside is going to be amazingly crispy and, and, uh, 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 fragile so as you bite into it you get that crunch mm-hmm. and then you get sort of the gooey uh, uh very very savory flavors of the egg so that's carla's recipe my recipe has the same back half you're gonna cook it the same way but i i'm gonna be honest with you i do not have the patience to separate out my egg whites whip <laughs> the egg whites to a stiff peak uh i really am just looking to make something that is going to be good and filling quickly yeah so what i do is i start with two eggs because i'm just going to make it for myself um and i will put it in a a bowl all all at once so no separation Mm -hmm. um and i'm going to put in about for me it's a large pinch so probably about a third of a teaspoon uh to a half a teaspoon of baking powder and then less up, up to a tablespoon, I'll say, of milk. And I'll put in yeah. our soya milk. Yeah. And then you're going to whip all of that together. And the milk and the baking powder are going to help that to rise and sort of build that body in the same way that just whipping the egg whites would. And you're going to see it as you whip everything together start to increase in size. Uh as I alluded to earlier, I use a milk frothing wand, which is just a <laughs> tiny automated whisk, basically. Yeah, it doesn't get the, like, it's designed to make things like hot chocolate and lattes at home. And it doesn't, Um, a long, long time ago in college, I was a barista for a while. And so, like, those frothing wands that disperse really hot air, and that's how you froth the milk, mm-hmm. it doesn't do as good of a job as those. No. It it's just using basically vibrations and not the pressurized steam mm-hmm. to create air in the milk, but it, it does okay. It does a pretty good job. And in this case, it's great because I'm just looking for yeah. something to do the whipping for me. It won't so, do a dense foam, but it will whip. 
Right, exactly. So I, I'm, I'm incorporating a lot of air, and I'm letting it increase in volume to about double its original volume. Um, and actually what I'll do, because I don't have to like get a big bowl to whisk in, is, um, you know those glasses we have? How, how big would you say those glasses are? Like, uh, uh, not quite 12 a 12 ounces. Yeah, like a 12-ounce glass. Maybe 14. I'll, I'll crack two eggs into one of those mm. and then put in a little bit of the milk or a little bit of the baking powder and then I'll whip it in the glass mm. until it takes up the full volume of the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the exact same thing, right? You put in a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, put it on the pan, cook for two to three minutes, let it rise a little bit, then mm-hmm. fold it over, and then that is perfect. The whole thing takes about five minutes at most, right? Uh, I'll put that on some toast i'll eat it by itself um i i really want to do an episode all about japanese egg sandwiches oh yeah i, like I want to eat a one very of those. Fim- similar base yeah uh and it gives you that same sort of like here is a filling breakfast or a filling lunch or a filling midnight snack with relatively little work a big variety of texture which is something yeah. I'm, I'm really into and you can put anything on it so if you've got leftover sausages like we did the other day mm-hmm. or if you've got bell peppers or if you've got anything else Tofu that we've listed so far mushrooms. it goes with mm-hmm. basically everything mm-hmm. there's no wrong way to do it hot sauce you know i'm gonna put hot sauce on it <laughs> so it's not exactly carla's recipe it's a little bit sort of streamlined for what i have access to and kind of the time i want to spend on it but mm-hmm. either way you're gonna get a really really good omelet souffle nice yeah there it is. All right. Um, if you try that recipe out, tweet at us. Uh, send us a photo. Send us a photo at Podcast About Egg. Uh, and we're going to take a quick break. And then yeah. we're going to go to your egg fact. Yeah. Tyler. Lauren. Are you ready for some science? I don't know. Let's talk about science, okay. Tyler. You're, you're very intense right I now. love science. I know you do. Um, so I want to start out by saying I'm not an expert in chemistry. Um, it does play into a lot of my daily life, but I'm not like a theoretical chemist or anything. But we're going to talk about chemistry. Can I admit something to you right What's now? What's that? I've never taken a chemistry course. Really? Ever. Oh, that surprises me. I feel like I've learned some chemistry adjacent things, uh-huh. but I've never taken, at least to my memory, an out and out like chemistry 101 course. Oh, that's that's really interesting. I took biology once uh-huh. from a, a man who was a turtle scientist. Cool. So I learned a lot about turtles. Cool. That's probably the closest that I've gotten. That's not very close to chemistry. Nope. Well, you're going <laughs> to learn some things. Cool. Um. Yeah, most of the chemistry that I deal with on a day-to-day basis is like uh, experimental and macro-based materials chemistry. So I'm not doing any like big chemical research or theoretical organics chemistry or anything like that. Sure. But that actually, I think, helps with cooking sometimes. Yeah. Or at least understanding some of the cooking stuff. So we're going to talk about the topic on everyone's mind, egg smell. Oh, yeah. 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 I, wo- I worry about this so often. Yeah. Because when I cook eggs, yep. the whole house stinks. Yep. And it lingers. Yep. Yeah. Tell me about 
egg smell. Right. So just any, I feel like I'm especially sensitive to egg smell. I think I'm especially sensitive to like all smells. Mm, okay. Um, And not even, so you know how hard boiled eggs are the main culprit of people's derision towards the smell yeah. of eggs. Well, people are like, oh, they smell rotten. They mm-hmm. smell stinky. You know, they get that sulfury kind of smell, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and yes, you're right. You're on the right track. Is it actually? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to like spoil anything. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's not. Well, spoiled eggs. Uh, Don't cry over spoiled eggs. Is that how the saying goes? No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I feel like it does. It, it fills the whole house. It permeates and it gets into my hair, which is a weird thing to say. But then you're like your clothes smell like mm-hmm. it for a while. And then you kind of forget. And then like two hours later, you get a yeah. whiff of something. Or you walk past the kitchen. You're like, oh, there it is. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about why that happens and how to fix it. Great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So you know how we're going to talk about the overcooked hard boiled eggs first. Do you know how sometimes you get hard-boiled egg? We talked about this a little bit in both the hard-boiled egg and the um, deviled egg episode a yeah. little bit. How it sometimes gets that like gray-green ring around the yolk mm-hmm. when you cut into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And then generally when it has that, it also has the really stinky sulfur smell. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's not because... It's a the, sign that you've overcooked the, the egg. Right. It's not because the egg is bad or right. has gone bad before you cooked it. It's... Because you've overcooked it, essentially. So to talk about this, we need to go a little bit deeper. And we need to talk about some background about the structure of egg. Okay. So eggs are made up. Well, a lot of the makeup of an egg is protein, right? Right. Um, and it is an amino, bas- amino acid-based ovalbumin is what it's called. Okay. Um. So basically, these are really long, stringy proteins. Right. Okay. Um, so, do you know much about the structure of proteins? I, I can picture a chart. Sure. <laughs> so, proteins are polymers, which means that they are made up of lots of little tiny molecules. And then, all uh-huh. together, however long that string is, is the polymer. Right. Um, so. The polymers, when you cook an egg, become denatured. Do you know what that means? Is that like when they... Uh, it, <laughs> I was, <trying> <laughs> was, was going to make like a My Fair Lady joke. Is that when they like learn how to talk proper? Right, and- yeah. Um, no, so basically it means that adding heat or some other form of energy, but in this case heat, uh, causes the proteins to partially unfold or change their regular structure from the raw egg. And in some cases, they can break apart mm, into okay. either into those monomers, the little tiny molecules, or just into pieces of proteins. Gotcha. Um, so these can either release individual chemical constituents or stay together kind of in protein fractured blobs. If you continue to heat it, um, some additional bonds are formed within these blobs of denatured protein and this will create a dense and differently structured protein network to the original protein basically they all break apart and then come back together in different ways and this is a more complex and overlapping sometimes called cross-linking in some cases so this results in the solidified interior of the egg and in chemistry terms the type of structure and like the feeling of a cooked egg is a gel 
Okay. So that'll come up later. Um, but when it releases the individual chemical constituents, the whites release hydrogen and sulfur, and the yolk releases iron. Oh, as okay. these proteins so there break is, apart. There is some sulfur involved. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of sulfur in okay. the eggs. So that green ring from hard-boiled eggs comes from the sulfur that is naturally in the egg whites reacting with the iron in the yolks as the proteins break down. And this results in iron sulfide formation, which discolors the perimeter of the yolk and the white where they're in contact with each other. So where it can sort of go between that membrane that surrounds the yolk, Mm -hmm. that's why. It's because they're touching. The whites are releasing um, uh, sulfur and the yolks are releasing iron. And then gotcha. where they meet up, they form iron sulfide. Okay. The longer you cook the egg, the more iron sulfide will form iron sulfide will form and the more discoloration you'll get. Okay. And is that just because the yolk and the, the white are releasing more iron and sulfur? Yeah, and it'll continue to sort of permeate that barrier gotcha. between the two and, and diffuse further into both parts. Okay. Um, but it is safe to eat. There's nothing wrong with it. Sure. It's fine. And that's also not where the smell comes from. So hmm. this can also happen, this discoloration can happen when you make scrambled eggs in a cast iron pan if you haven't lubricated it enough because the oh. sulfur in the eggs that you've mixed them up uh-huh. will start to chemically form different compounds with, with the cast iron. The iron in the cast iron pan. Oh. Yeah, so that's why sometimes if you overcook scrambled eggs, they get really hard and rubbery because you're cross-linking the proteins too much and they can get like a grayish, greenish, weird color tinge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's iron sulfides. Okay. So, wait, but then so you said that's not where the smell comes from. Right. So Where does the smell come from? The rotten egg smell results exclusively from the whites of the egg uh, from the creation of hydrogen sulfide. So remember how I said the whites release hydrogen and sulfur? sulfur, uh They create their own formation. They they create their own new bonds and create hydrogen sulfide. And that is that rotten egg smell. So the sulfur is interacting then with two different parts. It's interacting with the iron to create the color and then with the hydrogen to make the smell yes sulfur is quite reactive but it's the sulfur that we're smelling is it just the hydrogen it's the hydrogen sulfide that we're smelling oh 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 i see okay so it's it's the two combining that creates the interesting hydrogen sulfide is um a very volatile and aromatic gas and it exists as gas in like normal conditions so it that's why it permeates everything is it escapes from the egg once it forms as hydrogen sulfide and just disperses everywhere. Gotcha. Okay. So one source I found says that the sulfur starts to release from the egg whites at 140 degrees Fahrenheit or 60 degrees Celsius. But uh, it doesn't start to form hydrogen sulfide until it reaches uh, 180 Fahrenheit or 82 degrees Celsius. Oh. Um, which is when they actually, that's enough energy for those bonds to begin to form, which is actually pretty low. Yeah. If you think about it. Because um, you're boiling water typically at about 100 Celsius. Right. Or so, 212 Fahrenheit. So, right. So that's where you're going to start to get hard-boiled eggs. Right. But that's above where the... the that's above the smell line. Yeah. We'll so get to, to that. Oh, okay. Um, so 
the heat also encourages like the the more heat you add the more it's going to excite those molecules because heat is just energy in chemical Mm -hmm. terms so the more heat you add the more it excites those molecules and the more it encourages the hydrogen sulfide to become volatile and disperse Uh, I actually also found that humans are more sensitive to hydrogen sulfide smell than sharks are to blood in the water. Whoa. Because what's that, uh, not an old saying necessarily, but that old sort of urban legend about how sharks can smell blood like two miles away or yeah something. i don't That's know how true, true i don't know how true that is i didn't look into that but at i would all, imagine but, they're sensitive to it right and that's because hydrogen sulfide is actually one of the most toxic gases that we oh. know um fortunately the amount released from the egg cooking is so small that there's no health risk at all how many eggs would you have to cook for it to be a health risk? I don't know. That's, that's probably, a good question. That's probably a, a strange question for me to be asking, and I kind of regret asking it <laughs> now that's that it's come question. out of my mouth. My guess would be like thousands, okay. millions maybe. Like it's it's so small. You're not really at a risk. Um, but we developed such a strong reaction to it or such a, a strong indication because of how deadly and toxic it is. So sure. it's also released geothermically in some cases. Mm-hmm. And so presumably so that humans would stay away from those areas because it is a toxic hazard at, at those yeah. concentrations. I went to a summer camp once at a sulfur spring. Ah. Uh, and it was, I guess it used to be a hotel or something and the summer camp got to buy it on the cheap because it was on a sulfur spring and it smelled like rotten eggs the whole time so and it nobody stinks. else wanted it. Yep. Yeah. Well, actually, it doesn't smell like rotten eggs. Rotten eggs smell like hydrogen sulfide. Whoa. So we've just Mind termed low. it a rotten egg smell when, I mean, yes, it is, but sure. that's not the only. It, it's the same chemical. It's the same thing. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. causing the smell. Which came first, the smell or the egg? <laughs> the rotten egg smell or, or the, rotten the egg. geothermal vent. Um, so to prevent this from happening, uh, because the proteins become denatured at high heats or very long cooking times, just with the addition of more energy and more heat, um, don't overboil and overcook your eggs. So cook them a lower heat or shorter time if you're experiencing this problem, uh, and experiment to see if that gets rid of it. So in... Boiled eggs, I think it's a bit easier because you can look at the temperature of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and you actually can hard boil the eggs below boiling. You don't need to boil the water. Yeah, I was going to say, it'll probably help. And, and maybe we'll need to revisit this later on. With boiling eggs specifically, mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to all those videos that we watched and kind of mm-hmm. the, the articles that we read about it. You could probably get your water up to boiling, then turn it down to simmer and put yeah. your eggs in at that point you so could, that the yeah, water I think is you actively could. boiling. You don't even have to get it up to actively boiling, though. If you got the mm-hmm. water to like 170, you're probably fine, and it would still cook the egg. It might well, need a little bit a, longer. If you don't have a thermometer handy. like That's I, true. I, I don't, right? Like I'm using sort of visual That's true. references. So you get it bubbling, and then you're probably good. And then turn it down because, right. well, no, once it starts to bubble, that's boiling. Right, that's right, how right. you know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Then you yeah. turn it down to simmer. Yeah, yeah, then you hmm. turn it down. Interesting. Um, because remember the hydrogen sulfide will form at around 180 Fahrenheit or 82 Celsius. Okay. Which is below boiling, below water's boiling point, but still very hot. Right. So 
uh, an interesting fact that I found is that vinegar and salt, you know how they recommend adding vinegar and salt to I've read boiling this. water or to poaching water. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? <sighs> I feel like I knew why at one point with regards to poaching. Mm-hmm. It had something to do with keeping the white together. Yes, you're right. So vinegar is acidic and um, the salt, I think it has to do with the ions contained in the salt. Okay. But the the acidity of the vinegar, or you can also use lemon juice, speeds up the denaturing process. So basically it breaks down the proteins a bit faster and causes them to cross-link a bit faster. Um, as a result of that. So basically, it doesn't do anything if the egg stays in the shell. But if your egg happens to crack, you don't want the white escaping and flowing out into the water and just flowing everywhere. Right. So once it starts to crack, the vinegar will help to sort of sort of coagulate it interesting. next to the okay. shell a little bit faster. That's really interesting. All right. So vinegar is added to poaching liquid or lemon juice because they're both acids to lower the pH because hydrogen sulfide compounds are produced at higher pHs. So this will prevent their formation. Although time and temperature are still the most important factors. Okay. So it does kind of help keep the whites together because it's helping, like you said, to coagulate them and make them. Well, in the case of poaching liquid, it's actually preventing the formation of hydrogen sulfide gas. Because okay. it's, it's lowering the pH, so making it more acidic. So that's going to keep it's the harder egg for from spreading as much. No, it's just no, preventing it's just... the formation of the gas at that point. I see. Okay. Okay. I, think, I, I mean, think it I'm probably that with like it the... probably does help a bit with the coagulation as well. Okay. But I'm trying to remember where I even main... heard that from. No, I just said it. No, no, no. But it's I mean, right. I mean, originally, like the the it, keeping the white together as you're poaching. Yeah, Who it does. Knows? I think it does help with that to to an extent. But you're saying yeah. the main thing it's doing is preventing the hydrogen sulfide from being created in a poaching liquid. Yeah, which is what creates the smell. Yeah, that's the smell. So is this a way that I can make eggs without the smell? Yeah. So temperature and time are still the most important factors. Okay. Um, because they will both break down the protein and cause the formation of the hydrogen sulfide smell got you okay so experiment with these with these three factors yeah that's really interesting i wonder i'm trying to think of like some of the egg recipes that i've made recently and i wonder if the addition of a little bit of lemon juice might yeah it'll do the same thing lemon juice is also acidic right that's what it's doing in this case so yeah that's really gonna have to be something i'll I'll have to experiment with because i you wouldn't want to add too much, obviously, because right, then you've got kind it'll of a affect weird the flavor. Yeah. Huh. But lemon and egg or even vinegar and egg, I think, go quite nicely together. I don't think it's a bad flavor. Sure. No, totally. You just don't want to overpower the right. egg. Um, so actually, interestingly, a similar thing happens when an egg goes actually rotten. We call it a rotten egg smell. Mm-hmm. But like I said, when it happens with a boiled egg, it the egg isn't rotten necessarily. No, no, it's just overcooked. Right. But it does happen with properly rotten eggs as well um because the protein is also breaking down over time just not with the addition of heat just with the addition of bacteria (laughs) the formation of yeah of its um degradation so hydrogen sulfide and then um cysteine which forms during protein breakdown is also high in sulfur compounds so that will be the smell as well 
Um, And then I want to talk about really quickly a very interesting study that I found by Takahashi et al. called Anodic Oxidative Modification of Egg White for Heat Treatment. Came out in 2016. I understood a couple of those words. (laughs) So basically they found that um, if we're talking about protein structure again, the protein structure of ovalbumin, which is the main protein found in egg, Uh uh, the thiol group SH... So basically just a part of the structure, which is on the sides of the protein. And it's called a thiol group. Okay. Um, That is what gets converted to hydrogen sulfide upon heating. So basically it breaks down these bonds and those are, this thiol group contains what is responsible for. I see. Very, very specific parts of the protein. Yes. Okay. Um, And so they found that treating the eggs with anodic oxidation before cooking will actually convert this group to a stable disulfide bond that will not produce hydrogen sulfide upon further heating. So it bonds the sulfur to itself Uh instead of with hydrogen. Oh. And it doesn't create hydrogen sulfide. And they do that how? Yeah. So you won't be able to do this at home. You need very specialized equipment. So basically because it's the whites of the egg that's Mm -hmm. responsible for the sulfur content they separated the whites and the yolks they added um ions needed for the anodic treatment uh then adjusted the ph to nine with hydrochloric acid and then electrolyzed the eggs with a galvanostat to induce anodic oxidation i understood a couple (laughs) of those words so you're saying it's just a very specific controlled process yeah anodic it's actually the same type of thing you can do anodic oxidation mostly it's done with metals to coat metals with other metals so basically it turns the the thing you're trying to treat into the anode and attracts the ions to the surface so this is where we get like anodized aluminum yes exactly exactly yeah it's the same process they're just doing it to egg whites they're doing it they're doing it specifically to this thiol group on the edge of the ovalbumin structure in the egg whites can they do it while the egg is in the shell or do they have to no they they have to separate it yeah so So trying to think is there potentially a market for like eggs that don't stink yes we're getting to that oh so basically uh they also found that it had a couple of other effects on the egg too once it is different i don't think it tastes different but they found that the oxidized egg whites had fewer protein crosslinks so remember we talked about that formation of a gel Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. the proteins break down into little clumps and then the clumps line up differently. Right. Yeah. And then it forms that like really gel like structure that gets harder and harder, the more heat you add to it. So these anodized, these anodic oxidized eggs Uh (laughs) had fewer of these protein crosslinks. They just wouldn't form them even at higher heats and were therefore softer after you cooked them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the more electricity they added, the m- temperature required to firm the gel, to firm the egg to a gel decreased, right? So you added more electricity before you cooked it and you needed to cook them at lower and lower temperatures in order to form that gel, but then they wouldn't form a hardened gel even upon gotcha. adding more temperature. Okay. Um. So yeah, they were talking about some interesting... Um, 
applications in the food industry, especially where you have mixed foods with egg proteins and something else where you need so you need to control the temperature of something else, for example, meat to ensure that it's fully cooked, but you don't want to overcook the egg or you don't want the egg to form too much hydrogen sulfide or other things like that, where you can, you have a bit of a wider cooking range with these um, oxidized egg whites. Whereas before you had a really specific target to turn the egg into the type of gel you wanted basically so uh-huh. this this lets you have more flexibility with the egg oh. to get the consistency that you want and so you can meet the requirements of the other foods huh okay i'm trying to wrap my mind around exactly what that looks like, like <laughs> yeah like i'm picturing like um like a microwave mm-hmm. basically well think about if you're if you're cooking something i can't think of a food where this is an example but if mm. But they're talking about future developments mm-hmm. as well. But if you're talking about cooking like um, steak or something, that's a much higher temperature than you would cook an egg. Absolutely. And if you tried to cook an egg or egg proteins in with the steak, you would overcook the egg so quickly. Right. But if you if you uh, treated the egg beforehand, if you electrostatically treated the egg beforehand, you get a wider cooking range and it's softer in the end. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool, right? So this is like mass food production scale technology. So this is, I'm picturing, okay, speaking of summer camp again, you know boxed eggs? Yes. Oh, my grandma used to buy those all the time. I wonder if you could use this to make something that is not not as shelf stable as boxed eggs because I don't think anything that shelf stable exists short (laughs) of like actual rocks yeah um but you 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 uh milk or whatever that's called (laughs) the powder milk yeah Uh, shelf stable milk is uh, weird could you make an egg where you get like um uh, or what was that called? Where it was like the milk carton that was an egg substitute. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, that's the type that my grandma would buy all the time. So, so you get like a milk carton there, where it's it is derived like, from egg. It is like an instant egg, mm-hmm. and it's actual egg. Yeah. But then you could cook it at higher volumes because you're not worried about the underside burning before the heat gets through. Am I, am yeah, I understanding this correctly? I don't know correctly? about like burning can, specifically. Well, but not, not burning, but it's you can change It's talking about the, for, the formation of the gel. Right, so it would cook differently. Yes, it cooks differently. Mm, that's it's really super interesting, interesting, isn't okay, it? Yeah. yeah, you should read this um, article. And yeah. again, that was um, Anodic Oxidative Modification of Egg White for Heat Treatment by Takahashi et al. Uh, if you send me a link to that, I'll, I'll put a link in the, in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, great. Um, and I also just want to say shout out to uh, Alex Berzow, if that's how you say their last name, who wrote a summary on the website for the American Council on Science and Health, mm. um, because that discussed the article in a, a, a slightly different light. That was really interesting. So cool. Look that up as well. Awesome. So, okay. So in the home. In the home. Not This <laughs> is not an option. To, to reality. In, in the home. For my purposes and yours. Yes. Cooking at a lower heat and for the right amount of time. Yes. It's going to be the way to go. Right. And because home ovens and home uh, cooktops are going to vary so much, mm-hmm. you'll want to do a little bit of experimentation. But I would say on the whole, you need a much lower temperature than we 
are led to believe. Yeah. I think when we're all learning how to cook. Yeah. Definitely. And I think this is a this is a great chance to, you know, if you're trying to figure out like, okay, I need to go buy eggs. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the, this episode's going to come out when it comes out. We're at a point right now where not many people are going to the shops as often as they used to. Yeah. Uh, if you're trying to figure out, all right, I got to buy eggs. Am I really going to sacrifice an egg for experimentation? Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, find people who are raising chickens there's a mm-hmm. lot of folks here in the uk there's a lot of folks in uh the states we were talking with our friend jimmy mm-hmm. uh he has uh chickens fine might be able to trade yeah do some do some trades start a start a bartering system find ways to get a few eggs here and there from tell a... them you'll anodically oxidize their eggs with a galvanostat if they there you go. Share them with no. Don't tell them. <laughs> no, that. don't tell them you that. That would be that. a lie, uh, unless you're one of the scientists from this. Yeah, right. From this yeah. report, um, you know, find find sort of smaller, more renewable sources of eggs, because mm-hmm. then you can kind of you can experiment with one, and still at the end of it have a hard boiled egg or a scrambled egg or whatever yeah. um, that is still going to be tasty. Right. But maybe you'll make your house oh, smell a little. Oh, and bit. again. A couple of the sources I found that said that if you do overcook a hard-boiled egg and it gets that green tinge and it gets a little stinky, Mm. it's safe to eat. There's nothing wrong with it. Also, uh, if it's stinky, hydrogen sulfide, like I said, is very volatile, which basically just means that it quickly disperses into the air as a gas in this context is Mm -hmm. what it means. So if you refrigerate the eggs, not in a closed container for a little while because the shell is permeable the hydrogen sulfide will begin to disperse away from it and then maybe maybe if you don't want to eat it um because it's overcooked if you want to disguise it a little bit you could do deviled eggs you could slice it up you could put it in a salad you could make egg salad sandwiches yeah but you you can let it sit for a few hours to a day or so in the fridge is that going to make your cooked. fridge smell, though? Um, I don't know. I or think it depends it on how stinky the enough. egg is. Yeah. But it should disperse enough. Okay. With Also, with how frequently you open the fridge. Again, that might be a thing out. to test with, like, one egg at first. Because mm-hmm. then it's not going to smell too bad. Mm-hmm. And then, depending on how that goes, then you can sort of up the scale a yeah. little bit to more eggs. Yeah. But the green color won't hurt you. No. Totally fine. Totally fine. Just green eggs and weird. ham. <laughs> absolutely safe. We need to. We're gonna do an episode on green yeah, eggs. Yeah, we some should. Point, I think. Green eggs. Speaking of, uh, but that's unrelated, if I'm not mistaken. That's not green. Because I don't the same. know. Maybe it is. I we'll, don't know. We'll do some research. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Lauren. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, if you make anything we talk about on the show, you can tweet at us at podcast about egg. You can email us now. We have a form on our website. Whoa. It's sandwich.computer slash egg. There's a nice big white contact us form. Uh, and that'll just shoot us an email and we'll read it like, on the show. Like the ovalbumin containing part. Yes. I wanted I wanted to animate a little yolk into the button and I couldn't quite figure Aww. that out. But it's just it's that just a nice cute, friendly white button there. Um Oh, shout out to that pod that other podcast that mentioned us. Oh yes. That was uh, so nice. <laughs> as if you don't know, let me make sure I'm getting that right. Uh, the podcast is called As If You Don't oh, Know. Oh, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> no, that, rude, that was I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, their Twitter is uh, A-S-I-F-Y-D-K, As If You Don't Know. Uh, or maybe it's Didn't Know. 
oh boy, am I going to get this so wrong <laughs> live on the show? Thank you for reminding me about this, Lauren. Yeah, uh, it was so lovely. They tweeted at us, and it's a it's a similar sort of podcast to ours. It's it's just two people talking about what they love, um, and they were doing a series called Cinematic Sagas, talking about Amazing Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. and they brought up our podcast because they talked yeah. about the chicken and the egg. Um, and uh, let me, I think we retweeted it. Yeah, as if YDK is going to be the best way to search for it. Uh, And it's in their Cinematic Sagas uh, uh, series. But yeah, thank you so much for for shouting us out on the show. That's Chris and Beth. Yeah, really lovely. Um, Is there anything else? I feel like I'm forgetting something, but it's kind of just been because we've been a while. Did you learn something today? I learned a few things. (laughs) I learned how I'm going to start cooking eggs differently for (laughs) one so I don't make the house smell. We're going to try it. Um, And uh, yeah, I got to get back into making some some hard-boiled eggs now. Hmm. I I don't want a hard-boiled egg now. Is that weird? No. Do you want to go make a hard-boiled egg? Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.